You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 70 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? It's exciting. I'm sitting next to you. We're in the same room together. I know. That's yeah. like really weird. It is so weird. Different. It's cool. But we're doing something a little bit different this week, aren't we, Gina? Yes. Now, this week's episode is, uh, well, you're going to hear it, but part of it, the first half, was actually recorded while we were in the departure lounge at Manila Airport because Gina flew from Melbourne, I flew from Sydney, we met in Manila and we had a lot of uh, spare time because our plane was delayed. So we started recording this week's episode in the departure lounge and we got about halfway through <laughs> when uh, everyone disappeared and we thought we'd better find them in case we missed our plane and we had to go get on the plane. We've recorded then the second half. Uh, in our hotel room. So you, you, so the first half, you're going to hear a little bit of background noise, all the goings-on of Manila Airport at the departure lounge. The second half is mm. going to be a lot clearer and a lot yep. cleaner because we recorded it in um, our hotel room. But we will confess something. We did attempt to record it. Yep. On the plane, yeah. When we finally got on the plane, my high podcast club, the my high podcast yep. club. So you might hear just a little outtake, little snippet of it at the very end of this episode. Uh, in did case the, you did the, did the sexy pilot interrupt at all? No, because he he was good, but he kept interrupting our <laughs> podcast, didn't he? That's right. It didn't quite work because we started recording on the plane, but then you know they wanted to give us our snack, then they wanted to make an announcement. Then the sexy pilot. Gina. Who needed his own late night chat show? Didn't don't you think? Well, he had a very sexy voice, Val. Yeah, and Gina got distracted by the. I sexy got distracted voice by the sexy voice. So I had to put a stop to. We it had to put a stop. End. We killed the second yeah, part. Yeah, because Gina was getting too, too excited about too, the, too into the pilot. Yeah, so um, we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 70 of So You Want To Be A Photographer. Now, this is something a little bit different. Well, my name's Valerie Koo, that's not different, and I'm here with Gina Militia, that's not different. But what is different is that we are recording this uh, at, at a departure gate in Manila Airport. We thought we'd do something a little bit out of the ordinary uh, because we're um, heading to Cebu, which is in the Philippines. 
and uh, we thought we'd bring this podcast episode to you. How are you, Gina? <laughs> I'm crying delirious. You're delirious? I, I haven't slept for, I don't know, uh, so what time is it now, Valerie? It's, it's, it's about quarter to 8pm Miller time. Okay, so um, last time I went to bed was uh, yesterday, uh, so I haven't, I haven't slept for over 36 hours. Why didn't you just go to sleep last because, night? So what happened was I needed to get everything ready so that I could, I could go on this trip. So obviously at the 11th hour, all the, all the clients want their files done, so I was retouching files, and then it was 2 in the morning when I finished, and I thought, well, I had to be at the airport by 6 a.m., and I thought, well, it seems silly to go to bed for only a couple of hours, so I stayed up and did washing instead. I got four or five loads done. I'm now. glad you got your priorities I right, did. Gina. Yeah. Four or five well, loads of laundry instead yeah. of sleeping before well, travelling to the other side of the world. But the Makes a lot of sense. done, Val. <laughs> You've got children, can't they do the laundry? Yeah, no, I just needed to make sure that I had laundry for when I got oh. back, you know, because it's been oh. a busy few weeks, Val, so like, okay. I didn't have undies for the trip. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> I had to do a special load and then dry you... them with a hairdryer, <laughs> like I do every time I travel. At least you brought, <laughs> and then you brought them, because I've in the yeah. past what's happened to me is that I've made a special load of laundry and then um, I've forgotten all my undies and I've <laughs> turned up my destination. With no undies, yes. got to buy them. Yeah, got to buy them. Yeah. But, so this is real it's airplane not noise. It's podcast, is it, <laughs> Yeah, Val? sorry, everyone. This is real airplane noise. Yeah, not airplane, it's not airport. Can. It's not canned that we've piped in. We're not, like, actually in a sterile office somewhere and we just, like, tried to make it more exotic by just adding people talking in the background. No. And you know what's really good? No one cares that we're just sitting here having a conversation like everyone. Everyone's on their phones. No one could. This guy in front of us is fast asleep. <laughs> like, like, he's fast asleep. Yep. He's where I want to be <laughs> shortly. Soon, soon. And uh, no one cared. Well, we couldn't get any seats, so we're sitting on the floor. Yeah, it's glamorous. And we had a choice. It was like, do we go next to the bin? Yeah. Or do we go outside the toilets? Yeah. But we've compromised, haven't we? We yeah. just like little, scooch down a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, we're on to this week's episode, which is uh, last week we promised you that we would do a recap on the big shoot that uh, Gina did uh, in a town called Coldale, which is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. And we're going to come to that because it was an epic shoot, wasn't it, Gina? It was epic. Oh, my God. It was just epic. It was exhausting. By the What's end of the day, epic, uh, ep- epicest. <laughs> is that ep- a epica? word? Really? You wouldn't know. <laughs> Epicus Maximus? Yeah, it was an Epicus Maximus <laughs> shoot. But, and, you know, there were Harleys and Mustangs and horses. Mustang and... horses. Do you know the horse was a Mustang? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. There you go. Uh, drones and yeah. five models and, yeah. well, there were there six. six. <laughs> we lost one along the way. <laughs> but more on that later. So, first of all, we want to start out with a uh, listener question. And this is from Matt Zahn. Matt has asked, I've been asked to shoot a senior portrait session. The place the girl wants to shoot charges $150 for 1.5 hours. Some of you may have heard about it. Sonnenberg Gardens in Canandaigua, New York. I'm so sorry. I'm usually good with pronunciations, but not this one. C-A-N-A-N-D-A-I-G-U-A. Couple of questions. Does this seem like an average fee? 
and this cost gets passed on to the customer, what is a fair price above and beyond that location fee? And also, what kind of lighting gear would you bring? I'm thinking of one light stand, one speed light with shoot with shoot through umbrella and maybe some gels. What are your thoughts? Take it away, Gina. Well, yeah, the the, the uh, location fee one they vary depending on location, but it's like certainly in Melbourne, it, it, like Sydney Val is mm. just like notorious for charging ridiculous amounts of money for yes. location fees to the point where like a lot of photographers will just try and try it on mm. and, and uh, try not to, to have to be uh, charged the fee, but it can be. Um, Several thousands, and uh, and and I think hundred and fifty dollars is quite reasonable for mm. a location. But I would, what I would do, Matt, is if you really wanted to shoot there and the client really wanted to shoot there, I would try and make the most of it and maybe try and find another model or another couple of models that you bring with you on the day and get some folio while you're there so that you can really uh, sort of stretch stretch that fee if you want to be the one that covers the cost. If it's just the client that's insisting on going there, then um, you'd, you'd, you'd have to pass that, that cost on to her because that, like, she wants to go there. She needs to pay the, the fee, I think. Well, Matt does ask that the cost gets um, passed on to the customer yeah. and what's a fair price above and beyond at that location fee? Not really sure what, what you mean, means? whether you mean um, whether you should have a markup on the location fee or whether you mean for your actual photography, because obviously it's for your actual photography, you, you're, shooting, yeah, you're, you're shooting your portrait session fee, but yeah. in terms of, of above and beyond the location fee, well, I think that if the customer, what I usually do in those situations is if the customer pays direct, then not only do you, is that good for your cash flow because you don't have to fork out the money, yeah. they've, they've paid it and they've also committed in a sense um, and they, they pay direct and there's no markup. If you do a markup, then you're you know, carrying the, the debt in, in a sense for a little while. So in those situations, particularly if the customer is likely to know what the original fee costs or can easily find out from the website or whatever, then like a 10 to 20% admin markup is, is often what I see going about, you know, the place. So it really depends. Yeah. I often try to get the, just the customer to pay direct yeah. and then you don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about recouping your cost as well. Yeah, that's a good idea, Val. So how about the third question, Gina, which is what kind of lighting gear would you bring? Yeah, so Matt, so, so I actually went on the website and had a look at the location and it, and it is lovely and that's why I suggested it's worthwhile just trying to get as much as you can there. Um, I, I would want to be working in a way that you can work really quickly and move around quickly. So if you do um, have like a single stand or some sort of boom um, configuration that you can set up so that you can actually have the light above the model's head, then that would be a good idea. And um, I would really try and avoid using umbrellas, Matt, because if it's a windy day, the lights go over, so they're really dangerous. If you can maybe um, try and work with a little softbox or um, you know something a bit more solid, uh, I, I, I just umbrellas and locations don't mix. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of a dangerous combo. So that's my recommendation, and I would. Um, test it out before you go just in the backyard on similar lighting and uh, just make sure that you are really confident about your lighting setups because under pressure you sort of start to forget stuff and you want to make maybe just like do the same same setup just different locations so you're not actually changing the power of the light or anything you're just moving the light around from location to location and the backdrop changes the pose might change 
but your lighting is essentially the same. That's how I'll do that sort of shoot when I go on location, Belle. Great, great, yeah. All right, so let's move on and a shout out to HK Humphrey from the USA who has given us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much, HK Humphrey. And uh, HK has said, relatable. I've been working on improving my technical photography skills. I've listened to other photographers out there. Their tutorials and training come off as brash and condescending. Their marketing was pushy and overpowering. I was so happy to find this podcast thanks to DPS. The content is relevant and Gina and Valerie are relatable. They are not pushy or overbearing. They actually respond to emails and questions in a timely and professional manner. I look forward to each week's podcast and have learned a great deal. Keep up the good work, ladies. Thank you so that's much. So cool. Thank you. That's awesome. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. That's awesome. Really, you know, that makes our day. Um, and uh, if you have, you know, 30 seconds to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because it really helps us in the rankings. And of course, I just might add and remind everyone we are in a departure lounge in an airport. Is having a very loud conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's his shopping list that he's rattling off? Or like, it's like a very loud conversation. I know. It's like, it's like, because we're sitting here having a very loud conversation, like just like we thought we'd just roll with a podcast in the middle of the departure lounge. What did you think this through, Val? At all? Yeah, no, well, hopefully, you know, and as to the atmosphere, Atmosphere. I just thought we'd do something that was a little bit, you know, like real and on the road and authentic real. and, you know, <laughs> people coming out of the toilet, people putting stuff in the bins. There's announcements going announcement. on. We're sitting with the crew, aren't we? They're like, that's the crew over there. They're oh, yeah, they're the crew. Plane. That's probably our pilot. He looks a bit young to be flying the plane. <laughs> a little concerned. Do you think he's had enough hours? I hope he looks so. He's very young, but he, he doesn't look any older than my son. No, I know, I know. Oh, it's too late to back out now, Gina. But Maybe it, his crew, like, and he's not the pilot, because the pilot wouldn't be sitting back here, would he? Kicking back. Yeah, he'd, probably. He'd be doing all the tyre kicking and all of that. You Maybe know, they, they check the... They wash the windows and make sure that they've got to check all the buttons and things, don't they? Yeah, maybe this guy's like the toilet paper replacer. No, he'd be crew. He'd be like the guy that comes down with the food and everything. Yeah, they also replace the toilet paper. Yeah, they do everything. Yeah, okay. All right, so... Tough gear. Let's move on. We've got a link. Is that right, Gina? Yeah. So Sam Webster sent this in through the Facebook page, and it's basically um, Phil Collins... Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. So he's gone and re-photographed oh. all his covers. Ah, oh, yes. I it's saw that. It's so awesome. And I wish I could click on that link, Val, and just have another look, but I can't. But we don't have any data have, here. Just no data. <laughs> just so sad. Okay. <laughs> but it's a really, really, really cool concept, and he's actually uh, recreated it exactly. And I actually uh, you didn't know the name of the photographer. No. Yeah, I did. Okay, but, you but did. But I can't remember. We'll put the link, we'll in, put the the link show in the show notes. notes. And they are worth looking at. It's very amazing. Yeah. It's like recreated them exactly. So this Ex- is something yep. like everyone could do. Like what could you recreate from 20 years ago, Val? Oh, gosh. I'd love to recreate quite a few things. He's off the phone now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone, this is just a little bit different. 
Um, uh, let's just move on. How about that? Yeah. We have a gear question from Brian Becknell. And Brian has asked, I admit I haven't finished this week's episode, so my question may have been answered even though it wasn't the main topic of the show. Gina, you mentioned a new boom stand that you got from Manfrotto. I also bought a new... new <laughs> Newer. <laughs> Newer. Boom last week that I quickly returned, way too cheaply made. Can you share the details of the boom you chose? So is this, Gina, is this off the big Amazon shot yeah, yeah, you did yeah, recently? Yeah, this is fantastic. So I bought the, uh, it's the Manfrotto 420B combo boom. Uh, and basically what it is, it's a, it's a light stand valve. Mm. And so it'll you can use it as just as a light stand, but it's got this like... Um, the way it configures is it just tilts and becomes a boom. Oh, it's I It's really, see. really clever. Yes. So the problem with booms Very is clever. when you're using them, especially if you're on your own and you're on location, you've got to, like, pull the stand out, get the arm, put it in, and it's like that extra five or ten minutes. It's fiddly and it's just like, you know, you're not working as quickly as you'd like to, especially if you're moving from location to location to location. Yeah. Um, this makes it all really quick and portable. And the other thing I love about about, I nearly brought it to the Philippines, you know. That oh, you I, didn't bring it. I didn't it. bring it. I left it at the last minute. Um, but uh, it's perfect for travel because it's actually quite light. Ah, uh, yes, so, yes. So it's it's uh, it's really handy. So it's a good one. It's um, they're, they're not cheap, cheap, but they're well made. And, and this is the kind of thing that, like, I, I, I always recommend that with stands and tripods and things that like are, are a buy once item mm. that you actually spend the extra money because the, the cheaper ones, while they look good after a, like a, if you keep using them, they they tend to fall apart. Yes, yes. So they're not the greatest. So you didn't bring this to for, for your trip to the Philippines for no. this trip that we're on now. No. But I am interested in um, what you did bring. So I think what I'll do later, Gina, is maybe shoot a little video and ask you exactly what's in your travelling photographic kit. You know, yeah. if that's okay. Yeah. And um, we'll put that in the Facebook group. And. Um, if, for those of you who are on Facebook, come and join us on the Facebook group. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and uh, we'd love to see you in there. And we'll also put a bunch of um, videos in the gold membership as well. One of the things that's in the gold membership is a full-on behind-the-scenes um, mini documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Of, uh, of the epic shoot that we're about to talk about. Now, we're going to talk about it in this podcast, and I have shared a couple of videos in the Facebook group, but in the actual gold community, the Gina Militia gold community, which you can find at ginamilitia.com, it, it, I think it's about 22 behind-the-scenes uh, videos which explain and uh, everything that's going on and how the day unfolds, what's happening, you know, why you're shooting certain things, yeah. why you're shooting in full sun in certain circumstances, why you're shooting, you know, um, in shade in circumstances, how you direct people, uh, and uh, it's it's a if I say so myself. <laughs> you did a good job, Val. You filmed it like, and we were talking about this earlier, only you could film something like this because you know me so well. You were practically on top of me, weren't you, Val? Like, you were right next to me for the whole shoot, and I'd be shooting, and like Val's not afraid to ask questions like, what are you doing now? As I'm in the middle of the shoot, and I would turn around and explain it, and it's like, you, you, you feel like you're there at the shoot. Yeah. It's like really... Um, Good style, Val. Thanks. Just call me, impressed. you know, 
<laughs> Steven Spielberg or something. <laughs> not quite, not quite. Uh, anyway, um, hopefully all of those, all of you who are in the gold community find it interesting. We'd really love to know your thoughts on it. But let's get back to the actual shoot at hand. And this was a shoot for who, Gina? So it was a, uh, it's a, it's a new startup and he's a surf lifestyle brand. And so it's a whole series of like he's making t-shirts, surfboards, skateboards and it's a whole lot of stuff so this was the uh, initial photo shoot which was uh, all the uh, the fashion shots which are about selling the idea of the label like you know if you wear this this is the type of person you're going to be so it wasn't really about trying to sell the clothes like when you do a catalogue shoot the idea is we want to show uh, all the clothes all the detail all the stitching so that if someone looks at that shot they can see exactly what they're buying that's mm. a catalogue shot when you're shooting fashion you're selling the vibe the, the lifestyle and that, that's what this shoot was about so yep. Val it was such an epic shoot there epic. was so much epic. going on and like, I'm glad you were there because you got to see it all firsthand. hand um, but basically uh, you know it, it, uh, it was so much to, to contend with and like it started with I was supposed to be leaving uh, to get a flight from Melbourne to, to Sydney to be there up there at 12 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, at 11 o'clock, I just get a text message from my uh, the airline saying, oh, your flight's cancelled. Oh, good airline. <laughs> 11 Thanks. o'clock. Thanks. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll just get the next one. Have a look. There is no next one, Val. What? There's no next flight. There wasn't a next one. The next one was... On that airline, you mean? Yeah, the right. next day. Oh, my God. Yeah. What kind of airlines is? Yeah, not, not a good one. Yeah. Um, so I had to book another flight, scrambled, and I did. I got another one. But then there was, um, I had 40 kilos of excess luggage. Oh, my God. Which this other airline said, yeah, we can give you 40 kilos. So I had to buy the excess luggage. Mm-hmm. When I got to the airport and checked in, they're like, yeah, you've got 40 kilos, but it has to be all in one bag. And you've got four. Who would actually carry a bag that's yeah, 40 kilos? I know. Kilos? I know. That's ridiculous. I know. It's ridiculous. And so they're like, and I've got like, I've got my um, battery powered lights. I've Although you know what? Stand. I can deadlift 70 kilos now. Did you, see... <laughs> Did you see my photo I put on Instagram? I'm really excited. Deadlift? Yeah. 70 kilos? Yeah. That's impressive, actually. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. You're turning into like a Hulk or something, <laughs> Al. So, Sorry to interrupt. 40 kilos, they wouldn't... Um, yeah, so that was an issue, but the, but the, what was really good, and I said I'll just have to pay the excess, so mm. it was um, three extra bags. It was going to cost me another, like another hundred and something dollars. But the girl was in such a hurry to leave because it was Sunday and she wanted to go home that she um, she just said, oh, you know what, I didn't charge you. Wow. Let me through. Score. Isn't that nice? It was a good score. Bonus. So, um, yeah, I'd sort of fly up, get to the airport, get into the hire car, drive to the location, which is like an hour and a half south of Sydney, mm. and then at, it's 4 o'clock by now, 4.30, and the sun's dropping because Coldale Beach is located um, on a beach, but there's like a big mountain. It's a cliff face. A cliff face. There, there, there's actually a beach and a, little, and a tiny strip of town, and then there's, there's this very imposing and daunting cliff face that casts a shadow onto the town and the beach. So it gets really dark really yeah. quickly. So I was getting down there and uh, I was uh, already starting to get dark and I needed to get some um, some sunset shots because the client had gone and ordered a teepee. <laughs> a teepee that was 20 metres
metres tall. Oh. You think? Why? How big was it? Did you saw the TV? Yeah, but I still minutes? don't understand why. He wanted the TV in his shot, and he wanted shots of it at dusk, so I had to get there for that. And then I had to scope the whole location to work out where I'd be shooting the next day and make sure that everything was all right. So that was stressful. Then we had to go and do uh, food shopping to make sure there was enough catering for all the models and everything the next day. And um, then um, dinner and you you had arrived I turned by up. then. I turned up after the after you went supermarket shopping. So we get back from dinner at 10 o'clock, Val. Yeah. And I check my phone, text message from number one model who is sick. So she cancels. The main model cancelled at 10 p.m. and she was meant to turn up at 6 a.m. So I and Coldale is not in the middle no, of Sydney. It's middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. So it's 10 o'clock at night and uh, I've lost a model. And yeah. so I did have a little panic, didn't I? A little. I walked you, around you in circles very for a little calm. while. No, I did. I kind of. <laughs> there was the denial. I went through yes. all the stages of grief, actually, yes. over a five-minute period. Yep. <laughs> and then I pulled, pulled myself out of that and decided to just get on the phone and start um, calling and texting models. And, you know, Emily came to the party, thankfully, and by 11 o'clock I found another model. And I have to say that she was 20 million times better than the model who cancelled. So all things happen for a reason, yeah, I she believe. Was amazing. She, she was amazing. She was a really good like, one. What a professional to be able but just in minute. terms of the look as well, yep. she was she she really suited the shoot a lot yep. better than the model that cancelled. Yep. Yep. It's very unprofessional, I would say, of that model. Uh, yeah, it's like that, that's really rare. So she mm. must have been sick, but you know, probably in hindsight, if she was feeling unwell, you'd want to give your client as much more notice as possible. You know, so and then uh, like so, you got to be involved in the whole casting process for a little while there, Val. And it was just like you know, looking for the right girl that had uh, enough edge in her look and and uh, looking over models' comps. So, so yeah, so we, so then we had to be up at the crack of dawn. The crack of dawn, which for me that's, is uh, that's, oh my that, god, that was like um, for Valerie, that was like deadlifting 500 kilos <laughs> for you. <laughs> Those are like, like amazing effort. Oh, I'm, I was surprised I'm not a when I even person. saw you awake. Yeah, I, I don't know how I did it. Anyway, because everyone was supposed to be arriving at 6, but of course they started arriving at 5.30, and I'm, you know, asleep on the sofa, so I thought I'd better get up. <laughs> so um, the, the actual shoot itself... Uh, the first shot we did, so I've got a whole lot of, the, the, like, the most exciting thing about the shoot for me, Val, was yes. that we had uh, a drone guy filming uh, the whole shoot. The whole shoot. And, Which is pretty um, exciting. And what we'll do, everyone, is we'll put uh, all of the images that we'll be discussing in the show notes, uh, and you'll find that at ginamilitia.com. That's M I. L-I-C-I-A and if you want to have a look at some of the behind the scenes shots but some of the um, uh, actual shots as well that's where they're going to be. So yes, the drone that was, that was I've never I'd never worked with a drone before. So can you pronounce Mark's surname? No. No so Mark <laughs> was an awesome, um, awesome and, and like 
The thing about when you're doing a collaboration like this and you've got lots and lots and lots of personalities on set um, is you need to be able to blend in with people and you need to be able to work with all the different personalities and Mark just had the most beautiful demeanour about him. And he just just really... And you know when someone is good at their job, when there's no fanfare. Like, I can can tell when someone's going to be good at their job by the way they walk into a room and you can tell that, like, the assistant Jack did the same thing. Yeah. He walked in Brilliant and uh, it was just, like, amazing, incredible. I never had to ask him for anything. He was just there anticipating every time. Yeah. Amazing. And and Mark had the same demeanour about him. He just turned up, where do you need me, what do you need, and he just got on with it and, and then he just starts showing us these images mm. and they're phenomenal. And his showreel, I've actually... Um, like really, guys, do yourself a favour. I know there's a lot of a lot of the listeners who are, are really keen on drones. Um, have a look at have a look at the stuff that he does, and just like if this doesn't make you want to go out and buy, it, I want a drone so badly. Okay, now. I really do. They're so cool. So you can check Mark's showreel out at AustralianAerialImagery.com.au, but we'll put that link in the show notes as well. So talk us through the day, Gina. Where do we start? So the first shoot that we needed to do was we needed to go out to a uh, a horse farm, which was supposedly on the call sheet, we were told it was um, just up the road. Just up the road, five minutes up the road. Just up the just road. Up the road was not just up the what road. Was it thirty minutes of driving at least? Yeah. So just up the road turned out to be thirty minutes of driving. Now this um, is an issue because the um, the the all of the models and all oh, of the gates being oh changed. look at that. Well, Where's everyone going? See, I don't know. Everyone's leaving us. Like in a rush. Yeah. Like they're rushing. Why, why are the flight crew not rushing? I don't know. But, well, guys, I think it looks like we're going to have to have a pause at the moment because we could possibly miss, don't want our, miss our plane. plane. But everyone sort of rushed off very quickly. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, so we'll this will be, be part one. Yeah. And uh, who knows, you might end up hearing part two. Uh... While, while we're 30,000 feet in the air. <laughs> okay, everyone. So this is part two of uh, the episode, episode 70. And um, we managed to get on the plane. We found everyone and uh, we got here. And we're here in yeah. the hotel room, aren't we, Yeah, 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 we're here. It's exciting. It's, it's exciting. excited to be here. So we should finish this podcast so that we can, you know, check out the hotel and, and uh, get into it, yeah? And have a cocktail. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we were up to talking about the fact that we'd gone to this farm that was not very close by. Yeah. And then there were horses and drones and that sort of thing. So what was the challenging thing about shooting this? Because what you were shooting then, because I captured it on video, what you were shooting was the model yeah. um, wearing the T-shirt, wearing the clothes, the surfwear stuff, on what, bare, like bareback. riding the horse bareback and she was getting it to rear on its high Legs. Yes. And that is spectacular in itself. Yeah. But the thing that was more spectacular to me was the fact that you were almost under the horse. Yeah, I was pretty close and uh, like because they said, look, to get the best angle, you should be lying down on the ground. I didn't want to lie down on the ground. The ground was wet, Val. Yes. So I put a horse it blanket. Horse it did have horse poop. So I put a, a horse blanket under me and I lay down on the ground and uh, shot um, from under the horse so that it looked like when it was rearing up, it looked a lot higher. So it was a matter of 
timing the focus and when I took the shot to when the horse reared up, I also had Jack behind me with the flash and he was just popping in a little dook of flash. And it's like if you can, if, if you get a chance to have a look at the show notes, basically you can see by the really cool drone shot that uh, Mark took that the shadows are really long. Yeah. And so the sun was still uh, fairly low in the sky because it's still about not eight o'clock, I think, in the morning at this point. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Eight o'clock in the morning. So sun uh, is still nine. Yeah, eight thirty nine. Sun is still fairly low in the sky, so it's still relatively soft light, and you can actually get away with shooting daylight when it's because the thing about the sunlight is if it's hitting your subject relatively flat on you're not going to get a lot of shadowing and so it's like that's why early morning and late afternoon is a really good time so I was capitalizing on that and making sure that it was mostly daylight and I just wanted to have a little pop of flash as well so um, I'm lying under the horse and I'm and I'm timing it and and uh, trying to get these uh, these great shots and I'm fairly close to the horse when we wrap, when we f- finished that shot, Val, mm-hmm. I said to the, the the trainer and the girl riding the horse, I said that was really good. I felt really safe under mm-hmm. the horse. I felt like you know it, it's so so well trained that at all times I never felt like the horse was going to trample me. And they said, yeah, you were just really lucky because you know it happens and uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually quite dangerous what you were doing. But they didn't say anything at the time, like maybe you should move back or something. So. I risked my life, Val. Good thing you did. You know, know that. it was a good thing. So ignorance is bliss, isn't it? In ignorance those, so, is bliss. So that was a very cool experience, and there was some sort of specky clouds going on yeah. in the background, and being able to work with that kind of light where it's fairly soft, so there's not a huge difference between shadows and highlights. So you tend to get the whole the whole tonal range in there. It's just a really beautiful time to shoot. Now, if you, I just thought I'd um, jump in here and say that if you're looking at the show notes, that we have some of the behind the scenes, quite a lot of behind the scenes shots in the show notes. But if you're listening to this episode shortly after it's been released, it's you're probably only going to see the behind the scenes shots. In a few weeks, we will be able to uh, include the actual final shots or some of the final shots because we actually, well, Gina actually needs to follow some protocols here and make sure that the client sees them first. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So we've got to but wait we, for that. Yeah, but it, it will appear there at some point after the client has done what he needs to do with them and then you can see the behind-the-scenes shots as well as the final shots. Yeah. Okay, so what else happened that day, Gina? Okay, so we wrapped that shot and we're sort of in a hurry because we knew that the uh, all the other models were back at the house, mm. back at the beach house getting uh, made up and then we had to make our way back to the main location which was – uh, a, a clearing, uh, like part of the, uh, camping area in Coldale Beach. And we had the, um, the sort of the, the bottom left hand corner facing the beach, uh, reserved for us. And, uh, in that location, uh, there was already a teepee set up, which yes, was a massive, very large, teepee. massive. Um, and we had a, a red Mustang. Yes. A, was the other car a Mustang too? I'm such so not a petrol head that there I don't really Mustangs. two Mustangs, a silver Mustang. Was that the gone in sixty seconds car? There was some kind of gone in sixty yeah. seconds car. 
And then there was the red convertible. That's a Mustang. Right. And then there was the um, all the petrol heads who were listening and just going, oh, my God, it's sacrilege what you're calling these cars. Like, so wrong. We're just getting it so wrong. No idea. And the Mad Max Pursuit car, which That's is right. the original Mad Max original car Mad Max that was, like, Paris. autographed. Oh, yes. So the entire dashboard was autographed by, you know, Toe Cutter and whoever else was in Mad Max. Yeah. Mel Gibson sat in that car, Val. Yeah. Did he do the pursuing? Hot Mel Gibson. Yeah, right. He was hot. He was hot. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Me either. <laughs> um, and then there was also time ago. a combi van. Yes, a really surfy kind yeah. of combi van, which was really appropriate for a beachside shoot. And a couple of Harleys that when they revved, mm. oh, my God, that's a nice sound. I, I liked it. Yeah. Like all that chrome. I don't okay. want a Harley because I would fall over when I rode yeah. it, but I do like the sound of them. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the scene. So we get back to the the, the main um, location and so we've got that all set up and the client wanted to have a combination of images where we're working with all the cars and the bikes and the combi van and the models and the teepee mm-hmm. and the beach mm-hmm. and surfboards. Yes. Um, so the challenging thing about this shoot, Val, was that it was all in full sun. Full, full sun. So there was nowhere to hide. So I had to actually pull out a lot of the techniques that I talked about in last week's episode, yeah. working with what you have. So there's a couple of um, really good behind-the-scenes shots uh, taken from the drone that show just how heavy um, and um, dark the shadows were and the different and how contrasty the light was because there wasn't there was some wispy wispy clouds in the sky but nothing covering the sun so it was like full sun hard shadows contrasty light and there's no way in such a huge area that I could actually ever light this shot no unless way. I brought in you could but I'd need like lots of grunt and, and impossible. Mm-hmm. And the client also wanted to achieve over like over 20 setups on the day. Oh, my goodness. So that made it like that. And then I made the call that I'm really, I need to shoot the majority of this using daylight mm-hmm. so that I actually nail all the shots. So, so that was my thinking in setting up all the shots. So I worked with a, a like a, a technique that I use when I'm shooting fashion shots where I'm working in uh, trying to get as, as much of the action happening in open shade. So a lot of it was backlit bell. Mm-hmm. So I tried to position the models so that the sun was behind them um, and exposing for skin tone in the shadow. And that's, that's, that's how I was working. So um, that's, uh, that's what happened. So um, one of the first shots I did, Val, was where I had uh, the entire all hands on deck because it's like the models had been like we're all getting ready one at a time. But because we were stalled at the uh, horse farm, Everybody was ready and I decided to like just get the ball rolling and try and get everyone on set so that they all had something to do and they weren't getting bored and you kind of lose them that way. So I, I did the combi van shot where I had all the models on set and what I did was I positioned the combi van so that the um, the sun, it was backlit, but it cast a shadow and then I could position all the models in the actual shade yes. and then expose uh, exposed for skin tone um, in the shade, open up by I think about a stop and a half so that the skin tones were a little bit overexposed and my background 
was blown out. So a lot of my skies uh, in these shots are white, mm -hmm. but you've got all the detail in the water and the grass. And then with some of them, I may go back and um, replace skies mm -hmm. with some skies that I took the night before. Mm. And what was fascinating watching this is that because it was in such full, full sun and when you were shooting them in the shadow, as I was watching, I did kind of think, oh, my goodness, how's this actually going to turn out? Yeah. But, you know, I, you've shown me the shots and they obviously turned out. They were they're fantastic. So the, the one thing that I worked with a lot and it was also really hot. That was the other thing oh, yeah. on the day. It was like full sun and it's hot and there was kind of nowhere for us to have, uh, a, you know, a break from the sun. But luckily the, uh, the crew could all go in the teepee. The teepee came in really useful for that. <laughs> yes. So, but like, this is why I love working with cars so much as a prop because they're like instant shade, instant oh, open yeah. shade. So I was actually working a lot where I would position the models inside a car and so the roof actually became solid shade mm. and then, again, expose uh, for the skin tone and, uh, and shoot that way. The other uh, thing that I use that came in really handy on the day was I had a, uh, a screen gym, which is a portable reflector, but it's actually um, about five foot tall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, three foot wide. And it actually, uh, is made out of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, plastic, uh, pipes mm -hmm. that are joined together. And then you, you actually build it when you get to the location. And it's got a white side, a silver side, and there's also a, a translucent side. So you can either bounce white light in, bounce silver light in. There's also a gold side, I think. And then you've got the translucent option if you just want to uh, filter sunlight. So um, I had Jack holding that for a lot of the shot, shoot and just bouncing in some either white light or silver light and reflecting that back in. And that, that works really well in these sorts of setups so that that was really handy and uh and then there was some instances where jack just held that uh the screen gin up over the model mm -hmm. to create a, like an area of shade and then i could um expose again for skin tones and uh and get some good shots that way so that came in really handy um one of the shots that I had to create was um, creating the uh, the whole group of people around like the combi van and the Mustang uh, with a little bit of the teepee in the shot. And again, I wanted to give this shot life and it wasn't enough. Like I, I set all the models up and just had them all posing and it looked kind of flat to and me. A bit posy. A bit posy. Mm. So what I got, two of the, there was two um, kids on set uh, that I decided to just get them running around the cars. Mm. And it just gave the whole shot life and everyone, I got everyone to react to the kids running around the cars and uh, that, that was a really uh, good trick to do. In this instance, I had a very fast shutter speed so I was actually freezing the action but sometimes when I've done this, I've used, deliberately used a slower shutter speed so you get a bit of movement in the shot and that actually always creates life. So it just, it just livened the whole shot up and again, I had the, I had everyone positioned um, so that the sun was uh, at their backs and then I was exposing for skin tones and that's, that's how I created that. Great, great, great idea to have them running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if people, if you have that option where you're going to get somebody to move through the shot, uh, you know, take both options so that you, so, so you, that you have, you know, some, both, you know, you can see which one works. Like if you're shooting someone in a cafe and you have the waiter walk past, 
either freeze it or let him be blurry. Maybe take both until you see the kind of style that you like for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So one of my favourite shots from the day, Val, mm. was the actual uh, shot that's on the cover of, uh, of this week's podcast, and that's uh, our, our superhero model, Emily, yes. who saved the day. At the 11th hour. At the 11th hour, at the 12th hour. Well, it was literally the 11th yeah. hour, wasn't yeah, it? it? She was. really did, yeah. And um, uh, Emily is in the Mad Max pursuit car, and um, I actually uh, – like pulled out a really nice fashion shot in what looked like to me the most caca lighting I've ever seen, you know, at first. But then after I, I managed to um, expose correctly for the skin tone, I think the lighting looks absolutely magical and there's just enough of a hint in the wa- of the water in the background um, to just, uh, you know, give this shot, make it look like it is on some sort of exotic location. But, you know, and this is the style of photography you see in fashion magazines Mm. all the time when you're seeing like they'll they'll be in like Barbados or somewhere Mm. like that where they're, they're just using daylight, exposing for skin tone, over the letting the background go, you get, um, like wrap, like some beautiful uh, spill light on the skin and uh, like beautiful highlights, great separation between the background and the model and um, probably the most beautiful light there is. I know I I say that about a lot of lighting (laughs) situations, don't I? I say this is the most beautiful light there is. Garage light's the most beautiful light. This is another of those most beautiful light, you know, pulling something out of nothing scenarios. But if you, but it's a matter of like knowing what you're doing and just trusting that you're going to get the shot if you follow these procedures. Expose for the skin tone, open up a stop and a half, let the background go, a little bit of a tweak in Lightroom or Photoshop and you get magic. Magic happens. Absolutely. That's a magical shot. It is magical. Very have happy a look with at that. It. It's the uh, cover art for this particular episode. Yes, 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 yes. So um, another style that uh, I used on this shoot uh, is uh, one of my favourite photographers from the 90s, Val, is a guy called Herb Ritz. Oh, yes, I'm familiar with Mr. Ritz. Because he did one of Madonna's. Cherish. Job. Yeah, Cherish. And uh, so I should put that in the show notes, Val, that, a right. link to that um, video because yeah, yeah. you just need to watch it because it's beautiful. It's beautifully um, yes. shot and uh, it's his work is his black and white was amazing and this guy went, he had a studio in L.A. and he would shoot on the rooftop a lot and he just used like cloud cover as his giant softbox uh, being a photographer in the 90s, everyone always, we, we shot film and uh, or transparency. We always, when we were doing advertising shoots, always shot Polaroids, like lots and lots and lots to show to the client before we committed to shooting with film. Herb Ritz never used Polaroid. I, had, I knew an art director who worked with him, said he would just knew his stuff so well that he would just like, I know, it, um, I know I've got the shot, it's in the can. He just backed himself. That How amazing is That's that? That's amazing. So this guy, Herb Ritz, is a legend because he worked with hard sunlight. And so I channeled him. I love him so much when I did this shot, uh, this next shot, which is uh, Karina and Chris on a Harley Davidson. So again, they're semi-backlit. It's a really, and I've used the high contrast lighting and uh, positioned them in such a way that the, there there is no light hitting their face, um, and you and it's 
contrasty and then in Lightroom I've taken it through and just tweaked, uh, opened up the shadows, given it a bit more black and, uh, and created this really contrasty black and white image that suits what they're wearing. They're both in leathers and, uh, and this shot is actually a test shot that we did and that's why I can show it, Val. Right. So, um, you know, they're not, they're not yet in the gear. So, uh, but I just wanted to show the lighting setup. I love it. I think it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Could be a poster. Yeah, and this is so easy to achieve. And this is the kind of lighting that, every, like, we're all told that, like, when we're learning photography, hard light, hard light, avoid it, avoid it, because you shadows and blah blah blah. You can actually work with it and create great stuff. So you don't always need, um, you know, the soft boxes, the speed lights, or whatever to light the shot. You can work with this. Uh, I think I had Jack popping in a little bit, of reflecting a little bit of light back into them, mm-hmm. um, just to help uh, open up the shadows a little bit. But most of this was done just with available and you know not a lot of help. So it's definitely doable. Love it, absolutely fantastic. So, what was the most challenging thing about the whole shoot? Well, I think like managing all those people on set, Val, and having to work with that hard, hard light on the day and having to work so quickly so there's not really time to think. There wasn't a – like, honestly, I think – well, we started at 6. I think I got a coffee at about midday mm-hmm. and then it was on and we didn't stop until, you know, 6, 7 o'clock when we got to have di- – 5 o'clock when we got to have dinner. Yeah. And so when you got to this place, you got to the location next to the beach and realised that it was there was no respite, there was no shade, there was no uh, – it was going to be full sunlight all day, like quite hard sunlight. What did you think? Did you just think, oh, I, what was your thought process? Where can I get shade? Or, or oh, my God, what am I going to do? Or – I'm just going to have to work with what I've got and, and, and figure it out as I go along. What was the thought process? There wasn't a thought. I just like, <laughs> I don't think because you can't go to that place where you're, you're fast forwarding to what am you, 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 there, if you've done all the work leading up to this in that, you know, your stuff, you're confident about your ability of, you know, how to expose for skin tone and you know, you've done it before you, you don't even think you just do. It's like when, um, I don't know, you ask a musician, how do you know all the chords? I I don't think they're thinking D, E, F, G. They're just doing it. Mm -hmm. So you just, like, I just do. I not think. And I just, like, and then I get to the end and it's like I'm finished now. I I understand that. But to help people and to break it down for people, if they were faced (laughs) with that sort of situation (laughs) and they came to the location they'd never been to before because they haven't had a chance to recce, what would you suggest they thought so, so look our saving grace on the day was to have that little area for the models to have a, a, a place to get out of the sun oh, the so TP. yeah so i would recommend that when you're scouting a location to at least look for an area nearby where there's some shade or bring some bring an umbrella you know that you can pitch so that people can can go in there or those and, tents those portable t- yeah the gazebos those little like a picnic tent. Yeah, a picnic tent or something that you can like that, that, that is a base for everyone yeah. away from the sand, away from the elements. And, you know, obviously you need to make sure you've got water and, uh, you know, supplies for everyone. And then if you know that you've got that shoot coming up, obviously you, you probably, in, even if it was the, the biggest rush ever, you're going to have more than a day's notice. I think rarely will you get called on the day 
although that does happen, come out here, stand in the full sun and get this shot. So you might have time to practice. And like I'm telling you now that as a professional photographer, this happens more time than it doesn't that you ask to work in these situations. So it's worthwhile getting out there between the hours of 11 and 2 and seeing what you can create in this sort of lighting. And I think also that sometimes people don't realise that um, now on shoots, there can be a producer of the shoot, as in somebody who has the job of producing the shoot and basically coordinating everyone and making sure all the logistics are right and things arrive on time and stuff like that. But often, in absence of an official producer of the shoot, the photographer is the, is producing the shoot, sometimes along with the client, but effectively the photographer is the leader of the day and everyone is looking to the photographer for direction, not only in posing, obviously, but direction in terms of timing, in terms of when hair and makeup should be done, how hair and makeup should be done, how, where certain props have got to be when. And it's it's a lot to think about. There are so many balls to juggle. And in addition to that, if there isn't a producer or someone in charge of it, you're also thinking about things like, has everyone got water? Has everyone had mm. lunch? Has everyone, you know, other models fading because their blood sugar levels yeah. are going down? So in fact, you really, really pre-planned it to the point where you did the supermarket shopping the night before. Yeah. And and I know because I carried it all yeah. <laughs> from the house yeah, to the beach. Yeah, yeah. And it was wraps and pressed cold meats and cheese and yeah. salads and fruit and muesli bars and bottled water and all that, all sorts of stuff. So it's it's just so much to think about, isn't well, it? You just want everyone to make sure that everyone is comfortable and happy on set so that everyone can do their job because, like, you know, I know you, you get hangry, Val, I've noticed. <laughs> you get really hangry. Really I've noticed. Hangry. You do. You Not get you turn a bit, a bit when hangry. you – yeah, you get hangry. So if people, like, you know – their blood sugar drops or they you know they can't perform to peak so you mm. need to make sure everyone's hydrated and well fed because otherwise you know even models if they start to get dehydrated they don't look great no. it gets to get their bags under their eyes and things like that so just like ba and that, that sort of basic courtesy of looking after people everyone is going to perform at a better level mm. you know and so finally what was the most rewarding thing about the day I think like seeing everyone that you like I've spent so long casting uh, all these models and then seeing them in each role and seeing the whole shoot come together and going yeah yeah that look that like they look great they and like introducing a male model and a female model and thinking yeah they will work well together and then seeing them together and knowing yeah, they do they're a good fit and mm. you know like everyone on set like this car looks he's a good fit this guy's a good fit this girl's a good fit and then watching it all come together under challenging circumstances like where you've seen the location for the first time I've obviously seen it on um Google Google Map, like the where's a Google Man, like that the, the, you, street you, view. the street view, the little <laughs> Google Man that you can go around and have a look at the pre look at the location, but it's like it's never the same until you get there and you go, okay, right, I see it now, because there was like they had the big mountain there yeah. where we lost light very yeah. quickly, so it was all a it was like it was fast, Val. 
was yeah, fast definitely. and furious. We should have had a car from Fast and Furious. We should have. You know, that would have been cool. Very cool. That's yeah. my favourite movie. Yeah, I know. Of all time. Mm. In, on par with Rocky. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. But stay tuned to the next episode because we're going to continue with Gina and Val's excellent adventure. And uh, we're going to be in the Philippines this yes. time and uh, going to bring some, we're going to be filming a bunch of tutorials for the gold community. If you haven't checked out the gold community, uh, check it out at ginamilitia.com and look at join the community. It's where Gina hangs out every day. You get direct access through the forum, but also through the monthly masterminds. And it was great to have um, the recent mastermind call with everyone. We could just talk to people from all over the world. But anyway, um, what do you, what, should, what are we going to do for the next few days, Gina? This is pretty exciting. I know, it's pretty amazing. We're going to do some shoots. We and... haven't seen any of it yet because we're just in a hotel room. Yeah, it's a bit dark, can't see outside yet, but I'm sure it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're pretty excited to report back in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's hashtag Gina challenge for this week? Well, you know, because there was uh, so many cars and bikes on set, yeah. I've uh, – I've decided to make Gina challenge vroom. Oh, hashtag vroom. vroom. Okay, Gina says it's vroom, vroom. like that and I say vroom. But uh, for those of you who are new to it, every week we have a different topic or theme and uh, you just need to mark your photos with hashtag Gina challenge, hashtag vroom for this week and upload them into the Facebook group. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and it's a great place to share our photos and to look at each other's photos uh awesome awesome oh, it's such a good community everyone is so supportive of each other it's just like you, photography can be quite lonely we're out there working on our own a lot of the time and it's just great to have you know someone from the other side of the world going you know hey this is okay you're doing all right it's going to be all right so that's that's what i love about that community awesome well we look forward to seeing you in there so until next week Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Okay, so it's Valerie and Gina. We're back. Uh, we did manage to find out what was going on because everyone disappeared on us. It was like the apocalypse. <laughs> um, but we moved to gate 14, apparently, and uh, we're on the plane now. We thought we'd uh, continue this episode from the plane. The podcast mile high, Val. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast Mile High. Never done it at 30,000 feet before. No, no, I haven't. Have you? Podcast? Yeah, podcast. I've never podcasted. 30,000 30, feet? feet? No. Okay. All right, let's just move on now. This is a PG rated show. So, we were actually talking before all of that happened, Gina, about um, that we went to this farm and there were Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.